So I came across something that I found phenomenally interesting uh, about a week ago. And uh, have you guys ever heard of something called a spite house? So do yourself a favor sometime if, if you're bored. Uh, Google search spite house. And uh, you'll find many different uh, tales of them, many different houses and buildings that you'll find. Uh, but one of my favorite, most interesting ones that I read about was uh, this house in Boston called the Skinny House. Uh, the legend goes that there were two brothers who had a large inheritance of a land plot in Boston. And one of the brothers went away to fight in the Civil War. The brother who stayed behind decided that he was going to build upon the land. I, my, my theory is that I think he probably was like hoping or thinking that his brother was going to die and he'd just have the plot. But to be fair, because he knew that some of it was supposed to be for his brother who was away fighting in the war, he decided that he would build a large house taking up the vast majority of the plot, but he would keep a, a, a section that was about 10 feet wide and 30 feet long. And so he did, he did this with the idea, all right, if my brother makes it home, there is no way that he could build anything with this and he'll probably just give it to me anyways. Well, lo and behold, the brother who went away fighting in the war did come back home. And he obviously was quite annoyed, quite offended, quite hurt that his brother would take all that land, would just totally rob him. And so out of spite, he built a house that was 10 feet wide and about 30 feet long. And to extra make sure that he got back at his brother, he decided to make sure that it was just tall enough to make sure that no view from that side of the house could be seen and that no sunlight would get in. It's phenomenally interesting, right? That when we are hurt, oftentimes our natural response is spite. It's anger. It's revenge. This morning, as we're going to begin a new series, it's called The Flow of Forgiveness. And it's just going to be a short two-week series uh, this week and next. But if I was to to just take a, a poll anonymously... I would assume in a room like this, there are probably many of us who have been deeply hurt on purpose, by accident, through things that we could control, through things we couldn't control, by people who we hardly knew and by people who we loved the most. So my hope and my goal is over the next two weeks is to explore what does Jesus and what does Scripture have to say about revenge about grace, and about forgiveness. And just to make sure that you have to come back next week, next week is when we're going to primarily focus in on forgiveness, what it is, what it means, what it looks like. Should we even have to practice forgiveness? Spoiler alert, we should. Um, But this morning I want to talk more about revenge. I want to talk about what is our first response and how do we deal with that. Because can I be up front with you guys about something? There's a lot of my own natural reactions and responses that are not very Christ-like. There are a lot of things that, if I'm really honest, if I could be like Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson is really phenomenally interesting to me, that um, he actually had a Bible in which he, like, ripped out the things he didn't like, which is not cool, but if we're honest, all of us kind of wish we could. But there's a lot that has to do with um, justice. There's a lot that has to do with being wronged in the Bible that I kind of wish wasn't there. Because it's not my natural first response. 
Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up this morning to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Uh, this is a letter that Peter wrote. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, one of his closest followers. And uh, this is what Peter had to say uh, on revenge. He says this. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to do this, uh, you are called so you may inherit a blessing. Now, that just seems so dumb. Can I be honest with you? My natural response is like when someone is evil, I'm going to be honest, I want to be evil back. When someone punches me, I want to punch them as hard as I can back. But the reality is, is when we, when we look into Scripture, that's not the response that Jesus gives. That's not really the response that we find through Scripture. Now, I want to make a caveat up front before uh, anyone starts to tune out or make preconceived judgments. This morning is not going to be a message about uh, whether or not we need to be pacifists, whether or not uh, we're, we need to just be completely nonviolent. And you'll, you'll see why in a moment. But I think it's a message that we all have to wrestle with and maybe even allow Christ to make us feel a little uneasy about how we respond about what our attitudes are when we have been wronged. Because the reality is that our natural reaction of revenge does not match up to God's response of love. Our natural reaction, and, 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 and what I would say the difference is, is a reaction, the difference between a reaction and a response is that a reaction is just something that we naturally do. It's our first thought. We, if we're not thinking about it, it's like the stupid things we say sometimes, right? When, when, when men, we've been asked, does this dress make us look fat? And we respond stupidly and instead of just, or we react stupidly and we say something when we should have responded, right? I'm not the only one who's been there who's done something like that, right? When our kid asks us something and it crushes them because our reaction was hostile, it was mean, and they just cower when instead if we would have just slowed down and responded, it would have been so much better. You see, the difference here is that our reaction to revenge is is typically kind of a sinful thing. It's not something that is Christ-honoring. It's not something that puts us closer to Christ. It typically puts a wedge. And I say that Jesus, I say that God had a response of grace because it wasn't just a quick thing. It was this reality that God quite literally counted up all the costs. He thought it through when he extended the grace. This wasn't just some sort of thing where he's like, makes this quick reaction. It's like, dang it, why did I send Jesus? Now I can't just smite them. This was thought about. And it's not because it's something that we could ever earn or deserve, but it's something that he just gives us because he deeply, deeply loves us. In Romans chapter 12, Paul wrote this. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do you see kind of the consistency here? You have both Paul and Peter, guys who are on, they, they, they had connection, but it's not as if it's the same talking mouth saying this. But again, another disciple of Christ. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Don't take revenge. I love what he's saying there, because if you if you read it truly, you realize that he's not saying that justice isn't a thing. He's not saying that there's not times where we have to stand up for ourselves. But he's saying as much as we can, live at peace. And most of all, don't take revenge. 
Now, in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about what the difference between uh, revenge and justice is, because I think it's an important thing to understand that there is a difference. But this week, if you pick up a journal, you're going to read uh, tomorrow or whenever day. If you're like me, a lot of times I get off track by like a day, so sometimes I'm reading Wednesdays on Thursdays. It's fine. You're among friends who does that. Um, but one of the cool things about this series is each week uh, there's going to be a particular uh, person from Scripture who we're going to kind of have a little bit of a character study and see how we can learn from them. This week is a guy by the name of Samson. Samson uh, is this guy who has this crazy story. In the Old Testament, there's this book called the Book of Judges. And the Book of Judges is honestly incredibly um, tragic. It's actually a really sad, um, violent book. And because judges were these people who God raised up during this time of his people's history where they really didn't have a ruler. They didn't have any kings yet, which was a good thing, uh, and, and they were kind of being pushed around. And so a judge was raised up to deliver the people from a enslavement, from some sort of enemy for them. That way they could live in peace and they could be, get back into how God intended their kingdom, their people to live. Now, the sad, tragic thing about the book of Judges is that, spoiler alert, none of the judges ended up really being good. All of the judges, they might have restored somewhat of a peace and harmony, but it was never lasting. They did something that would lead the people astray. God's whole idea of having a judge was not to make the Israelites powerful, but was to get them back to a place where they were free, where they could live in freedom, but most importantly, the freedom came with the idea that they were worshiping God again, that their lives were wholly cling to them. Samson comes along, and Samson is one of the most famous of the judges. Samson, I'm not going to get into all his story, but he had the long hair, and that's where his strength came. But Samson, one of his chief weaknesses, aside from women, which there's a lesson there, guys, um, and ladies, you can, you can reverse it and say men are trouble too, because I'd agree. But one of his biggest character flaws, issues, was the fact that he was deeply vengeful. That he became angry quickly. Now, it's always important to to, to recognize and realize that when we read Scripture, especially the Old Testament, that God uses people even through the things that he would not necessarily say, this is how I want you to do it. That he uses people even when sometimes their reactions, when they're being used, are not exactly how God would, would first intend. Does that make sense? So, for example, God requires and wants order to be, to be brought, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he wants there just to be tons of bloodshed. But sometimes he has to work through these different things. But the issue with Samson is Samson always was the, the type that if he was wronged, he was going to get you back even worse. Anyone ever have a friend like that? If you play like a small prank on them, like, you know, you tap them on their shoulder and make them turn around like they're going to like TP your house. I had a roommate like that. His name was Ryan Dieter. And uh, he was the type that you kind of got to the point where like you just didn't even mess with him because you could do like a really funny, like small thing. And like your like tires would be off your car the next day. Just that sort of person. Don't be that person, by the way. <laughs> but Samson, the, the tragic thing, this is kind of a spoiler alert you'll read about is in the very end, Samson did get revenge, but in reality, it lost him everything. He ended up dying because of his revenge. And the reality is there's kind of a truth in there for us, that every time that we seek revenge, we seek to get even, or even get the upper hand on people that have wronged us, 
While we think maybe we're just getting the chance to harm another person, that we're getting justice, the person we're probably most harming is ourselves. Every time we seek to do that, we begin to harm ourselves. Here's the reason why. It's all about understanding our view of others the way that God sees them. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? When Paul wrote that, it's important to see the distinction. He talks about how the fact that before Jesus came, before our lives were reconciled to him through the cross, we were enemies of God. Our sin, our separation from God, a God who is holy and set apart, the way that things were set up, we became the enemy of God because our, we could never fulfill anything. Uh, we could never do enough to get perfectly there. And so God had to send his son Jesus to die on the cross to make a way for us. Now, think about this. Again, at the beginning I said that God responded to us out of grace and love. That's a response. That's a response that he he counted up the cost and said, even though they are my enemies and even though many will continue on to be my enemies, I will view them as my children who I deeply love. I will send them my one and only son to die for them because I deeply love them and I deeply desire to have a relationship restored with them. My friends, when we have our view of others in step with God's view of us, we will be ready to give grace. If our view of others, our enemy, those who look different than us, those who have harmed us, those who are who who insult us, we begin to be able to respond in love and grace rather than just react in anger and hatred. Again, the more that we react out of those negative feelings, those negative emotions, the more they're truly just harming us. Because let's be honest, how many of us have ever gotten revenge before? I have. I've, I've had someone wrong me before, and I've gotten back at them really good. And you know what? I don't feel like it's just like an after-school program type thing that you watched in school or just something that your parents say. I really think it's true that it never really feels good. There's still something inside that hurts. It's not as if it's like, sweet, it's all done. Because the reality is there was hurt that happened from the first defense anyways. And by creating more hurt, it doesn't really solve the problem. It just continues to add into a world that is broken and that is hurting and that desperately, desperately needs love and grace. They need to see a Heavenly Father who does this. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, this huge message, this manifesto that we find that Jesus gave. He just says this, and he addresses some some Old Testament laws. And he says this, he says, You have heard that it is said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go to a mile, Go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, this scripture oftentimes is deeply, deeply misinterpreted. Because some people are like, so what? Does this mean just like let people beat me up and give everything away and just be trampled on? 
Let's look at some of these in context. Jesus is, is, is taking on some things that would have been very common in that during that time. So first he talks about if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and give them the other cheek. Now, you have to realize, think about it. If I'm right-handed and I'm going to slap someone on uh, their right cheek, I'm probably most likely not going to do like one of these where I go like, you're probably going to have to do like the backhand, right? And so this was a deep insult. When someone would have done this in that culture, it was pretty shocking and pretty terrible if it came to that point. But if someone was to do that, it was sort of this double insult. And typically the person who already did it looked like a fool anyways in that culture. And so when Jesus is talking about turn and give them the other cheek, it really is this this idea that instead of just wanting to respond back with more violence, just kill them with kindness. Turn to them the other cheek. Allow them just to to, to do that. Because the reality is you're going to make them realize how foolish that looked, how dumb that looked. Then he goes on and he says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt. Now, again, there's a key point in here that's talking about legal matters. He's not just talking about violence or fighting and these sort of things. He's talking about legal matters. If anyone wants to sue you and to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, in this culture, tunics or shirts that people would have worn in that time, people would have had many. Even someone who, is, who is, was, was poor would have had many of those. So Jesus is basically saying, listen, forget getting muddled up and all that. Just give it away. Forget about it. Who cares about it? But he steps up and he tells them, but add the coat to it. You see, the law of that time stated that one person uh, could not take another person's coat. That essentially that was just such a shameful thing because these coats that they would have worn would have also been the blanket they slept with at night. And so, again, Jesus is, is talking about, he's, he's putting it out there, this idea that instead of just reacting in anger, in, in, in seeking some sort of vengeance, why don't you just respond in a gracious way that is just going to blow their socks off, that literally is going to make them wonder, why are these people so different? And the final thing he says is, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, when Jesus is writing this, or, or when, when Jesus' ministry is going on, uh, the land that he lived in was occupied by the Romans. Now, the Romans had, had laws in which a Roman soldier literally could pick out someone out of nowhere and say, you must carry my spear, you must carry my shield. Uh, if you've ever read in the Gospels, uh, there was a man who ended up having to help carry Jesus' cross uh, to his crucifixion. This was because that was just part of the law. A, a soldier could just say, you must do this. And so when Jesus is, is talking here, he's talking about this reality that, hey, if, if, if you get asked to do that, instead of grumbling, instead of just doing that, go even farther. Go even farther with them and, and just show them up what it looks like to love. Now, some of you are like, this is so stupid, Aaron. <laughs> I hate this. I kind of agree a little bit. Because, again, my natural response, what I would love to do is just get even, to just tell them where they can shove it. And it would not be a a kind Hebrew word. But I think it is because Jesus is trying to respond to them. He's trying to show them that if we truly wish to see lives changed, if we truly wish to see people see that a new kingdom has come, that there is a new king who has arrived, we must act differently than the rest of the world. Because let's be honest. If we say we have Jesus in our heart, but the way that we respond or react when we've been harmed is the same as the rest of the world, like does that say that there's any power in the cross? 
Does it say that there's any power in Jesus? No, it doesn't. It says that we are the exact same. And so Jesus, I believe, is desperately trying to show them, what if you acted differently? What if something about the way that you acted showed them something different, that there was something more, that his teaching was something more? Because again, nobody wins in revenge. Nobody wins in revenge. At the end of the day, when when revenge happens, it's not a good thing. All right, let's talk the difference between uh, revenge and justice. Uh, Here are just a few thoughts that I had. Revenge is primarily emotional versus justice is primarily rational. Revenge is, by its nature, personal. Justice typically is impartial, impartial, impersonal, and it's both a social and legal phenomenon. Revenge is an act of vindictiveness. Justice is an act of vindication. And revenge is about cycle, and justice is about closures. And as you see on the screen, uh, revenge is about retaliation, and justice is about restoring balance. Those are just a few thoughts on the difference. You see, justice, again, and I believe that our God, and we don't have enough time to get into the many, many scriptures, how our God is a God who is just, and who especially we have to have the long game view that in the end, he gets the justice. He'll take care of everything. Those who have wronged you, the reality is they will get their justice if they don't find the grace. Just truth truth be told, they will get their justice if, if, if they don't find their grace. And that actually makes me kind of sad. But the reality is, is, is revenge is never about fairness. Revenge is always about how can I get back and make sure that they got it extra, extra bad. You know, so many of the laws that were set up to make sure that these things happened, like when Jesus addressed the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it was to try to prevent things like revenge because so often one tribe would kill, there'd be someone from a tribe who'd kill one person and then the tribe would retaliate back. They would seek revenge by taking even more. And when Jesus came, he, I believe, set a new way to say, why do we have to seek to do those things? Why can't justice just be about restoring balance, finding a fairness, but not about just, not just about continuing on the, the cycle. I love that thought, the idea that revenge is all about a cycle versus justice is a closure. That when justice has been served, hopefully that means that it's over. We can move on. We don't have to continue on this. So a couple questions, a couple things to, to think about as we are going to close out this morning and the band's going to come up. Many of you have heard this before, uh, the difference between uh, mercy and grace, right? Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve, and grace is God giving us something that we do not deserve. So if we think about it from that standpoint, here's, here's maybe something that I'm going I'm to throw at you, you guys. You chew on, you think about, and, and you maybe, maybe even get back to me and, and, and say whether or not, Aaron, this is stupid, or Aaron, I agree. Um, but I believe that when we take the focus off of what we deserve, so when we've been wrong, when, when we take the focus off of what we deserve and live a life that points all to what we do not deserve, that's how lives can be changed in the name of Jesus. And I think so much of what Jesus writes about revenge, so much of, of the roadwork leading up to forgiveness and what forgiveness looks like is so much of being a follower of Christ is dying to oneself. It's dying to our own wants and needs. Because the reality is, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I can be real petty. 
Like, I want to get back for really small things. Most of the time, it's, it's one of those things like, oh, I'm just going to be really honest with you guys. I'm going to confess in front of my friends. Like, there's so much of me that sometimes when my son wakes me up early, like, I dream about getting back at him when he's, like, a teenager and just be like, yeah, that's right. you got to get up. I used to wake me up in the middle of the night. And that's a funny, laughable thing. But it's sort of funny how those small thoughts entertain, those small things really do lead us down a path that sets us up for when we have the big things that happen. You know, so much of culture romanticizes revenge. You know, there's so many movies that talk about it. But I really believe that if we began to more and more rid ourselves of ourselves, rid ourselves of our sin, rid ourselves of that, and allow Jesus to work on the hurt, because the reality is oftentimes forgiveness comes from a place where we've been hurt. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay that we've been hurt, but it, that's normal. But oftentimes, instead of letting Jesus deal with our own hurt, we just want to react and we want to add more hurt. And so my thought is, my wonderment is, it's just if we begin to stop focusing on just ourselves, and we begin to point to others the fact that we have already received a grace, something that we could not deserve, we could not earn, that maybe just maybe it would push others to that point too where they would meet Jesus. They would experience that grace. And maybe some more cycles would end. Maybe more people would stop just just spewing evil, pushing violence, pushing and, and just hoping that and that maybe lives would just continue to be changed in the name of Jesus. And that could be powerful in a section of the Beatitudes that we read from earlier, from Matthew chapter 5. This is what Jesus said in verse 9. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Friends, I don't know about you, but I want to be called a child of God. I want to be called Aaron, son of God. But I know I can't do that if I don't just stop with my angry responses, stop seeking vengeance, and begin to be a person who fights for justice, but a person who always responds with grace and compassion and love, not because the people who have harmed me deserve it or have any way they could earn it, but because I've experienced a love and a grace that I couldn't earn that I don't deserve. My friends, I'll leave you with this. God has called us to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. We have been called not to be those who are causing trouble, who are starting stuff in our community, but who are people who have came to patch up broken relationships, brokenness. And that when people would see that, and we're going to get to that next week, when people begin to see us as people who are marked by forgiveness, then... I believe they will truly see a gospel that they believe is real and that is powerful. Would you guys stand? We're going to close out with one last song. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you just so much for, God, your grace. God, I thank you just so much for the fact that we have this gift of new life because of your son Jesus coming and paying a debt that we could never pay. God, coming even though we don't deserve it, even though we could never earn it. God, I pray that we as followers of Christ, God, I pray that you would continually 
work on this process of changing our hearts and minds. God, I pray that you would help us respond in love and in grace. And you would help us slow down so we don't just react in anger. We don't just react to be vengeful. But God, that that doesn't soften our heart either from from fighting for justice. Because God, we know that we live in a dark world and that you are a God of justice and that we as your people should seek that justice. But God, would it be to end cycles, to have closure rather than continuing them on and amplifying them. So God, this morning, God, I don't know where people are coming from. God, maybe some people right now are in the midst of just needing their hearts just, just just, turned in your direction. God, I pray that, God, as you talk about this concept of repent, repent just means to turn. That, God, if someone this morning is just feeling like they've walked away from you, never they've, maybe they've never even came to you, maybe there's something going on in their life where they are just angry and they want to just take revenge. They just want to get back. God, I pray that you would begin to turn them around. God, that you would take the focus off the hurt. You would take the focus off the brokenness. And, God, you would begin to put the focus your love and your grace would they know that they are deeply loved that they are sons that they are daughters of you God may we be peacemakers rather than troublemakers God as we sing this song as we worship you God would you speak to us we are here to listen in Jesus name I pray Amen